1: Welcome to Sourcing Journal Radio, our weekly check-in with apparel insiders and thought leaders, which spotlights a variety of topics currently driving change in the market. Good afternoon, my name is Edward Hertzman. I am the founder and president of Sourcing Journal. And today we are here with Steve Lamar, executive vice president of the AAFA. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I want to jump right into it, Steve. Where do we currently stand with the U.S. trade situation?
0: Well, so let's focus on the, uh, the big question, which is, are we going to see tariffs happen on apparel and footwear? Uh, this is the, you know, the president has proposed um, in what we call tranche four to put tariffs on apparel and footwear that are imported from China. Uh, we're right in the middle of a, a seven-day hearing uh, process. We're finishing up the sixth day right now. Uh, tomorrow will be the last day, and then there'll be a week of uh, comments, post-hearing rebuttal comments. Um, at the same time, the administration has started up the process to uh, review, uh, to 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 talk with the Chinese government to see whether or not they can um, create a um, a trade deal. So negotiations with the Chinese government um, that's going to, um, for the short term, culminate in a. Uh, meeting between President Trump and President Xi on the margins of the G20 this weekend. And then we'll see what happens. So that may result in a a deal, although that's probably unlikely at this point, or a truce, or we could see the tariffs come into effect. Uh, and that could be announced as early as next week. And if they do go into effect, how quickly can we actually start seeing our imports getting hit with this additional tariff? Well, so that's the big question we get that all the time, and it's it's look the in in the previous tranches they've announced you know the tariffs on day one will take effect a week later, two weeks later. Uh, when they did tranche three, um, they announced them almost immediately at the end of the regulatory process, uh, so that ten percent tariffs uh, for tranche three took effect within a couple of days. Um, when they did tranche. Uh, The three that when they increased the tranche three tariffs uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, again they gave us only about four or five days notice. But then they created about a two or three week period, and then they added another two weeks to that to allow goods to clear. So it's 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 hard to say at this point exactly what's going to happen. I can give you a worst worst case scenario. Is we could see tariffs as early as uh, the middle of next week. Um, A better worst case scenario might be towards the middle of July. And then you can you can back that out and create other scenarios where it could be the end of July, maybe even into August. So Steve, when Trump
1: announced a potential tariff on Mexico, it was going to be done in, in gradual phases, 5%, 10%, 15%, et cetera. Is there any indication that this is how the
0: China tariff uh, situation may play out? Well, it's certainly one of the possibilities. I mean, when Trunch 3 happened, so these are the Tariffs that are that are currently in place at twenty five percent for items like backpacks and and gloves and hats and a lot of textiles. Um, these were these were initially started last September at ten percent, and then the president announced they would go to twenty five percent. And then when they had the first. Uh, summit, the one in Argentina, they put that on pause that got put on pause for the duration of the first part of the talks. And then they ultimately went to 25%. I think the president likes the ability to ratchet up tariffs because he views it as a way to um, sort of to to increase the leverage that he's going to apply. You know, he views this as a leverage tool, uh, to get the Chinese to come um, back to the table, to get the Chinese to sweeten their, their deals on the negotiating um, table. And I think that that's probably what one of the things we could very easily see come out of the conversations this week is that we can't get to a deal. We can't get to even to the talks necessarily. So the president decides to do 10 percent and then to ratchet it up. One of the other reasons you may see him do that, maybe even 5, 10, 15, he could do the same model he did with Mexico. And again, this is all speculation, is that these are consumer goods coming in right during the holiday season. So if he does it at a 5 percent rate, for a short period of time or a period of time and then eventually begins to ratchet it up, that might be a nod to the industry to realize that people have to clear goods that are coming in for the holiday season. So if he does it at a smaller rate, it's less likely for that, that 5% or perhaps the 10% rate to kick in and hit prices for holiday goods. And then by the time we get to a higher rate, if we get to go that far, 15, 20, 25, that'll be further in the year. So if
1: he does raise it 5%, 10%, and then there is an agreement that goes into effect, can he roll back that 5 10%, or is it kind of hard to do that once it's in effect?
0: Well, the president can do whatever he wants here. Uh, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of speculation about whether tariffs will still be used as an enforcement mechanism. And what I mean by that is, um, let's say there is a deal between the U.S. and China. Um, will the president say, I want all the tariffs that are in place – to stay in place, and then they will come off once China has demonstrated compliance with the agreement? Or will they? a lot of them come off on day one, the agreement takes effect, and then the president reserves the right to reimpose them if there is a problem? This this concept of of tariff as an enforcement tool is, is one of the main decision points that has to occur. Of course, the Chinese, they want to see all the tariffs come off on day one. And the president, who very much likes tariffs, he talks all the time about all the money that's coming in on tariffs. I think he would like to see the tariffs stand in place for a a considerable time. So correct me if I'm wrong. So Trump's using this as kind of a way to threaten
1: China. This is going to hurt China. But the reality is, I kind of look at China, and I know you've actually said this before, there's China for China when it comes to manufacturing. So China for China, China for Europe, then China for the rest of the world. Right. How much... Of an impact will this trade war really have on China, even if the whole 25% goes into, into play?
0: Right. Well, uh, it, it, and again, this is an open question. So, yeah, to, to look back at these three buckets, you know, there's China for China. I would actually say China for the rest of the world. So, Europe and other parts of the world, and then China for the US. So, when you look at, when you look at, China for the US that's clearly the target of these of these tariffs um you know we we hear the administration is trying to disentangle the uh the global supply chains that companies have not just companies in our industry but companies in electronics toys other manufacturing industries have to try and get them to move out of China the view is that will put pressure on chinese economy right they won't be employing as many um Uh, Chinese workers, the investment will move. Um, That's the viewpoint. That's sort of the traditional viewpoint. Um, But the other two buckets, China for China, so local for local, and China for Europe and the rest of the world, we don't necessarily see those moving. In fact, those might even increase. So if you've got a, let's say you can't move your production out, uh, you've got a factory you own, you want to keep as much production in there, you may try to ramp up your China for China, China for the rest of the world, while you locate your, what was previously China for U.S., you try to locate the other places so you service the U.S. market from other other places. So it could be that the, that the Chinese economy um, over the long term is relatively insulated from this tariff shock as, as people keep a considerable amount of China production in there for those first two buckets. And then the China for U.S. that the U.S. brands move out, that gets picked up, that slack gets picked up by European brands that might not view the U.S. as their major market. So they're using that for China, for, for Europe, too. So how does this really hurt China? Well, there's a big question that it may not really hurt China. I mean, if you if you look at this, and I've said this before, is that um, smart governments will use trade agreements to do those things Uh, that they've been trying to do or they perceive they want to do for the long term that they haven't been able to do because they've got domestic political opposition. So the fact that they're doing something in conjunction with an international agreement um, helps give them the cover to actually do these things that might have been difficult to do domestically. We all know in the industry that the Chinese government has been subtly and in some cases not so subtly trying to encourage uh, the industry apparel and footwear, some of the some elements of textiles even too, to move out of China. That's something that's been going on for years now. And so this to the extent it accelerates or continues that trend, this is just following along with something they've been trying to do for a while now. So other than China and maybe even
1: Mexico, are there any other existing relationships and and trade agreements that we have in place today
0: that are vulnerable? Well I I think you should you should look at the perspective that every trade agreement and every trade partnership has some level of vulnerability. Uh, that's, that's probably a truism for any relationship, um, any president, and especially so in this case. Um, Ambassador Lighthizer has specifically said um, all trade agreements, all trade preference programs are under review. They're constantly under review. The question is, is will that review translate into actual action or not? Remains to be seen. We've seen this with with Mexico, where it's sort of been an on-again, off-again situation. Obviously, China's been a focus. Um, India is another one that I think people should pay close attention to. They just lost their GSP. Uh, This is the generalized system of preferences. They just lost their GSP status. And we do believe that there is um, interest in a Section 301-type action. Um, this The China tariffs are occurring under the trade law that's known as Section 301. And there's some interest in a Section 301-style action with respect to India. Whether that will materialize or not, it's, it's hard to say. But it's certainly something that we're watching closely.
1: So, Steve, can you explain what de minimis is? I know it's a—I don't want to call it a loophole, but a loophole that um, a lot of companies have been using for years to bring goods into this country. And I'm hearing more and more— Uh, especially with the rise of DTC and e-com, that more companies are looking to take advantage of this?
0: Sure. So a couple of years ago, Congress raised the de minimis level from $200 to $800 for unaccompanied packages. So um, before that, it was $200. if If I were mailing myself a package, it was $200 Um, was the de minimis level. Above that, I would have to pay tariffs and declare it. But if I were bringing it with me as I was physically crossing the border, it was $800. So they raised it from $200 to $800 to um, create parity between those two levels. When they did that, um, that dramatically reminded people that there is an opportunity to ship directly to consumer without paying any tariffs products under $800 per day per importer. So if I, as, an, as an, a regular consumer, wanted to buy a product, I could buy $750 on Monday, 750 on Tuesday, 750 on Wednesday, and so on, and each day I wouldn't have to pay tariffs. So that creates an opportunity to ship yep. um, a lot more product. Previously, it was 200 and you could still do it, but at the $200 level, it's a lot less than $800, obviously.
1: But how is this changing the supply chain and, and the logistics for brands? Because... Why not create a warehouse and, and a supply chain infrastructure that hey
0: someone orders on online and that we can just keep shipping it from our warehouse in China? Right. So there's a there's a couple of dynamics that are going on here. One is that so if you look back at the at the China action, so that that products under eight hundred dollars, and by the way, this was done in a bipartisan bicameral way. It's very very popular in Congress. Um, for for products shipped in, you don't have to pay tariffs. Not only the underlying tariffs, but the the Section 301 punitive tariffs are currently exempt from that as well. So you could be bringing in a product that would be, um, you know, $750 that might be on the Section 301 list, and you're not paying the underlying tariff, you're not paying the Section 301 punitive tariff. What a lot of companies are looking at doing is either shipping directly from China, or they bring that into warehouses in Canada and Mexico in bulk, and then they ship it from Canada and Mexico in those one-off shipments. So they use their Canadian or Mexican warehouses as their e-commerce fulfillment centers. People are trying to do that with foreign trade zones. Um, in the United States, the problem is is that you can't do that right now with an FTZ. So if you ship in bulk to a U.S. FTZ, you can't then use that FTZ as a fulfillment center when you ship out. And there's, there's a coalition trying to change the law. There's also people that are pushing back at the $800 level should that level be rolled back to $200 because, and you use the word loophole, because some people think this is a loophole for the Section 301 tariffs. Well, is there any talk on the
1: Hill that, hey, you know, Trump is going to get wind of this and, you know, try to get, eliminate this altogether?
0: Well, the president does have wind of this, although it's it's unclear that he has the legal authority to roll it back, and there certainly wouldn't be support for doing that in Congress right now. Um, but it is something to keep an eye on. Steve, you've always been very very vocal that the industry needs to band together
1: and really fight back. Why is it so important for the apparel and footwear brands to participate
0: in the hearings and petitions that are taking place? Uh, Great question. I think it's important because there are officials that really take the input, the comments very seriously, uh, and they may have an opportunity to put those recommendations before the U.S. Trade Representative um, to make decisions that would result in products being exempted from these processes. So, for example, uh, tranche four, the hearings which end on um, June 25th, so that's Tuesday, June 25th, July 2nd is the ending date of the comment process. So, if you were participating in those hearings and you'd manage to get comments in by July 2nd with some detail, that's information that could lead to an exemption from Tranche 4. At the same time, there is a process that will open up or that opens up on June uh, 30th, and that goes until September 30th, so it's a 90-day process. And that's an opportunity to apply for exclusion from the tariffs already in place on Tranche 3. So here are two opportunities to take your specific circumstances and ask the government for relief from tariffs. I think you should take advantage of them. With the conversation of tariffs over the past year or so, I know a lot of
1: uh, companies have engaged in trade, trade attorneys and law firms, and people are looking at reclassifying some of their merchandise. For years, they may have mislabeled it, misclassified it. And right off the bat, the attorneys are saying, that may be a huge opportunity in itself if you've been paying the, paying the wrong duty. But do you think the Customs and Border uh, p- Protection is going to be Looking at companies now that grossly change classifications, if the price of the goods being declared all of a sudden overnight become much less, is there a lot of red flags that are start going up as these goods start to come in
0: over the next few months? Yeah, so Customs always looks at textiles and apparel, not footwear, but textiles and apparel as a uh, priority trade industry. It's It's part of their operating authorization from Congress. Um, they also look, of course, at other things, um, duty evasion, and they look at uh, intellectual property rights. So counterfeiting is a problem. So all of these are, are things that um, that lend themselves to closer scrutiny from um, customs, uh, knowing that a lot of companies are going to try and do a lot of things to either avoid paying the higher duties or um, you know mitigate it in some way. I think any of these things are going to reco- are going to um, Uh, come to the attention of customs and so you're going to have to be prepared to justify what you're doing to back it up with documentation to consult with the right um, officials to make sure that you're doing everything properly you know it's it's a it's going to be a big change and if you if you do the change you may be correct you may get audited but then as, as long as you've done it correctly you know you've followed all the proper procedures you should be okay if you haven't done it correctly, then, you know, you'll have another issue. Right. So one last question. Um, so
1: the goal of all of this, to my understanding, that Trump's trying to accomplish by is not only a punishing you know, China, but is it to bring manufacturing and bring jobs back to America. A, is that possible? And B, the way I look at it is everything he's doing right now, the administration is making it harder to accomplish those goals, not easier.
0: Right. Yeah, there's, I think there's a, there's a big question whether the administration's rhetoric about bringing stuff back to the U.S. and whether the administration's actions that actually make it harder to bring stuff back to the U.S. Uh, match up. I mean, certainly, if you just even look at the, um, the, the activities on Tranche 4, um, in, in previous tranches, they removed things like textiles and equipment, and then they put them back onto the list for consideration in Tranche 4, so that leads a lot of people to question, why are they trying to raise the cost of people that want to manufacture things in the United States? And even if you look at Tranche for itself, you have a number of companies that that import finished products that they either further manufacture, you know, putting embroidery on, or they use those imports to support manufacturing of other finished products in the United States. We had witnesses this week and last week testify on that. And so if you're adding tariffs on a product that indirectly or directly supports manufacturing, then it sounds like you're hurting the ability of the U.S. manufacturer. Um, You know, I, I, it, it, Remains to be seen whether that is their ultimate goal. Again, they say that's their ultimate goal, but there really isn't the capacity or the capability to like, basically pick up the industry in China and ha- recreate it in the U.S., um, certainly not for many generations. And even if you did, it would be using different techniques and uh, manufacturing processes that wouldn't employ the same amount of people. We
1: don't have the labor force. We don't have the factories. We don't have the skill sets. sets. Right. It's going to have to rely on automation and new new technology to to really... And that's a period that will take a generation. Absolutely. So, Steve, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're in between hearings all this week. It's a very, very busy time for you. For anyone listening that wants to get in touch with you, the AFA, that wants to get in touch with local government and try to make a change, What's, how should they
0: get in touch with you or, or people in your organization? Uh, the best thing to do is um, send me an email, and that email address is slamar at aafaglobal.org.
1: So the email is slamar at aafaglobal.org. That's correct. All right, Steve. Thank you again.
0: Okay, thank you.